Welcome to the Forward Minds podcast, where we meet entrepreneurs and innovators focusing on creating a more sustainable future. Listen to their stories and discover how they are shaping a new lifestyle. I'm Joy Aspar, founder of the Forward Lab. It's a symbol of not giving up and just keep pushing. Definitely something I relate to with a forward lab as well. That is an example of how every single person can impact someone else's life. So make sure you use it because you can really make a difference. Today, my guest is Luke Berlin, the founder of Meagle Plus, a social impact company. The company is currently building the world's largest database for socially responsible brands and using AI to get them in front of customers who care about their mission. Meagle Plus is an AI-enabled app that helps to discover, shop, and support social impact products and sustainable brands making the world a better place. Prior to founding Meagle Plus, Luke spent the past 10 years leading digital marketing initiatives and revenue growth for B2B and B2C companies in Los Angeles and the San Francisco Bay Area. Luke wants to re-engineer consumerism into a force for good by empowering people to be conscious consumers and brands to be better producers. Let's hear from Luke and his Meagle Plus adventure. Hi, Luke. Thank you so much for being on The Foreign Minds. I'm looking forward to hearing more about Meagle Plus. Uh, Very happy to be here, Joy. So I'd like to start from the beginning. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and the beginning of your career? Yeah, sure. About myself. So I've been in tech for about 15 years now, primarily in tech, in tech marketing. My background was initially not tech because I went to school for biochemistry and I was thinking of becoming a doctor. So I went to UCLA for biochem. It was a bit of an interesting experience. Uh, I ended up dropping out of UCLA and did a bit of soul searching for a couple of years. And then I got a job in a technology company called Shopzilla which at the time was sort of uh, innovating the whole online shopping experience. Um, I absolutely loved it. And I moved into a, a career in marketing because I, as I realized later in my life, I'm part of a few group of people who can use both sides of their brains. So I was able to satisfy my creative side while also being very analytical, which was the reason why I wanted to get into science in the first place. And so um, I, I've also been very much of, a, of, of an entrepreneur. I, I, I like to solve big problems. Actually, the bigger the problem, the better. And over the last couple of years or so, I've been on this journey to really introduce a paradigm shift on how the world looks at consumption mm-hmm. um, and to come up with a solution that I think solves the core problem of what we're facing in the world when we look at um, what's happening with climate change, what's happening with unbalances in many societies. And that root cause is really consumption, how we consume and how we produce goods. And I think that there's really a, a strong opportunity to be able to fix that. Absolutely. I can relate to this very much. And I really think reshifting the way we consume and making it easier for people to consume sustainably is definitely the way to go. And so your next adventure um, was Meagle Plus. Uh, can you tell us how you decided? I mean, you told us a little bit more about like how you got into it, but you know, how did you start a Meagle Plus? And um, I've heard that you went through a couple of iterations. So can you tell us about that? Yeah, that's correct. Um, initially, actually, I don't think a lot of people realize this, but but Meagle Plus was started as a social innovation platform. And the problem I was trying to solve there was to answer the question, can we make innovation a success regardless of where you are, right? So the idea of, do you need to be in, in Palo Alto and the San Francisco Bay Area to be a successful entrepreneur? 
and I don't think you do. Um, and I came up with sort of the four pillars of successful entrepreneurship, which um, are intellectual support, practical support, financial support, and emotional support. And um, I was trying to figure out a way through artificial intelligence, how we can bring people together who could provide any of those, any or all of those, um, those four pillars to, to entrepreneurs all over the world. I think I was slightly ahead of my time because when I would talk to people on a sort of individual basis, they would understand it. But when I spoke to a group of people, they didn't really quite get it. And also at a time that was when crowdfunding was 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 making a really big push, like Kickstarter was had just gone live. And so the, the idea that people thought of supporting innovation always meant you just need to give money to people. And I think money is important, but it's not the most it's not the only thing that matters. So when I thought about, okay, how can I shift the concept of, of Mingo Plus into something that's a lot more re relatable to people, um, that's why I had the idea of looking at how we consume because buying a good or service is something that over 5 billion people do every day. And I thought everybody can relate to that because most adults and, and young people have bought something. So let's start there. Absolutely. And I'm gonna I always ask this when I don't really know the, the name or like if I don't see the connection. Sure. What why the name Miggle Plus? <laughs> Good question. Good question. Um so the name Miggle initially came from Mingle and okay. ideas. So in the very, very first iteration of our logo, the eyes, the two eyes had an overlapping speech bubble. Uh, and the concept there was a place where people come together to mingle around ideas. Okay. And, and that eventually evolved into, into what it is today. But I think the core concept is the same because sustainability is an idea. And so we, we, we always, building a community is always at the forefront of, of, of the platform. And the name and 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 the 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 plus actually is sort of a personal reminder of how I had to persevere really mm -hmm. um, as an entrepreneur. So it's it's a symbol of not giving up and just keep pushing and moving forward. And moving forward, yes, always adding a little bit. Yes, definitely something I I, I relate to with a forward lab as well. <laughs> I think I think a lot of entrepreneurs can relate to that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I really so I really I really like the name Mingle because you know Mingle, and I think um what I've I've discovered also having been in that space of sustainability for a while now is that collaboration is really important and actually essential. And compared to other industries, collaboration is really at the center of it all to be able to move forward. So yeah, I can see that completely. I want to focus slightly more on the cultural uh, space and in the sustainable shopping space. Like, So there's two angles. Obviously, there's the consumers from one side and on the other side, the, the brands. Let's focus first on the consumers. What are the challenges you think um, you've, you know, you've been able to focus on for consumers who want to shop sustainably. What do you think? Why do you think they are not, or they were not at the time, shopping more sustainably? Yeah, well, I think as you probably know, or as you can imagine, it's all around convenience, right? So people would tend to do things that feel convenient for them, mm -hmm. um, regardless of really how they feel about it. So yes, a lot of consumers say they want to shop more sustainably, but there is a little bit of a gap between the action and the intent. And and um, and I think that that the solution to that is making it more convenient. Now, when we talk about that convenience piece, is all about how can we make that discovery process for consumers a lot easier. 
And furthermore, how can we actually elevate that discovery process? Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is it's very easy for you to walk into a store and look at a product and say, I want to buy that product purely based, purely because of the product. I think those type of transactions, those types of purchases are very transactional. Mm -hmm. what, are, what I think really adds more value to both the consumer and the brand is to say, I want to buy a product, but I want to buy it from a brand whose value system matches mine, right? And if you look at how consumers currently are having to look for products or look for new brands in the pro it's a process that's broken it's not convenient you have to spend so much time googling stuff and then when you look at google results it's paid ads at the top it's articles it's all that stuff so the amount of results you actually get in terms of the brands you can get to know is quite small um, at the moment i'm currently reviewing about nineteen thousand brands um individually um right and, and which are the brands that go into some of the brands will we'll make it in, into our database. But consumers don't have that type of, that amount of time to be able to do that effort. So I think a platform that's able to look at a consumer and say, for example, Joy, these are your value systems. These are the things you care about. And also these are the products that you like to buy. And then through artificial intelligence, recommend those products to you based on the brands that match your value systems. I think that has incredible value. Absolutely. I, I think, as you say, the, the convenience side is extremely important. And I mean, talking about how you review brands, and I think that's always very interesting. How do you, first of all, discover new brands and how do you vet them, actually? Yeah, that's a good question. So let me start by answering your question about discovering brands. So yeah. our discovery process is is is, is a combination of, of humans and, and tools. Um, so what we do, we actually go and look for brands that we believe have um, a sustainable mission behind them. Not just sustainable, they could be eco-friendly, they could have um, a sort of social mission behind it. And we look at the information on those brands, we try to validate some of the information on their website with maybe information that they have on their social media, and then we decide if they're if they meet a sort of minimum criteria for, for us to add them to the brand. I would say about 80 to 85% of the brands that we add to the platform are curated by us. So it's a very selective process. And about 15% or so are brands that submit themselves to our platform. Brands that submit themselves to our platform is not an automatic uh, entry to the platform. We review them as well before we add them to the platform. On, on the vetting side, I think it's very important for me to say that we don't want to be or we do not position ourselves as a platform that can empirically tell you this is a sustainable brand or this is not mm -hmm. a sustainable brand. I think even looking at the definition of sustainable, it's quite uh, subjective. And, and I think it is important to not lose that. I think consumers should be able to define what that means to them. What we're trying to do is to say, can we introduce you to a couple of brands and then you make the decision of whether or not, whether or not those brands are good for you. As we build our community, something that's, that's a core part of our platform is to actually allow consumers to be able to engage in with those brands and with each other and then determining if a brand should stay on the platform or not the platform. So I'm, I'm very much in favor of sort of a meritocratic mm -hmm. access to the platform driven by consumers rather than by us. That's the concept of upvoting, right? That you have on the on the website? 
Correct. So th- that concept is not is not currently in play. The feature is not on the website at the moment. Okay. But that's that's the direction we want to take it. I, I, I'm very apprehensive of, of institutions that say. Oh yeah, we know if this brand is good for you or if that brand is not good for you, uh, because sometimes a lot of those institutions are paid by the brands that they actually review. Um, what we're going for is for something that's a little bit more inclusive, yes. where the consumers are having to make that decision on whether or not a brand is good enough to stay on the platform or not, but also to allow the consumers to engage directly with the brands and vice versa. So, so basically, the consumer you're giving the consumer a lot of power, and you're giving yes. you would give the consumer when this upvoting concept is live on your website the ability to rate or to judge, kind of you know, with a grain of salt, but judge the brand yeah. and tell them you know rate the brand basically. Absolutely. Okay. And and I think and I think this is important, Joy, because you know I, I think some brands might listen to this and they're and they're a bit apprehensive about what mm-hmm. consumers might say. Um, as you know, in the sustainability space, there is one sort of expression or one word that everybody worries about, which is greenwashing. Absolutely. I, I and I, I I personally believe that it's very difficult to address greenwashing if there is no transparency, and it's impossible to have transparency if there is no engagement between consumers and the brands. And I think that that is one of the core pillar of the platform. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I think what's really important is, as you say, the, the consumers being able to exchange with the brand, if not for upvoting, as you were saying, but also for out of curiosity to understand what they're doing, to understand where they're coming from, to be able to ask questions, because not everyone is a specialist in sustainability or in you know food waste or in you know organic cotton so if the consumer can exchange with the brand directly then there's a dialogue being created and probably more collaboration coming up from that yeah absolutely i think i think both both sides win yeah um i i think let's let's speak particularly from from a brand standpoint i think we're moving away like i was saying earlier into this model of of transaction Right, consumers are curious about the story of the brand. What made you create this brand? What inspired you? Now, if you can build that emotional connection with consumers as a brand, I think you're you're winning in the short term and most certainly in the long term, because that's how customer loyalty is established and that's how long term customer value is achieved. So brands should definitely buy into this model to say. Actually, one of the things I would recommend brands is on your on your website, and I know this because I've been reviewing a lot of them, start with your story. Don't mm-hmm. start with your products. I've been on many websites, and the first thing I see is just a whole list of products and pushing me to buy, buy, buy. And I have to scroll all the way down in the footer to find the link of About Us for brands. Yes. I think if you're a sustainable brand, you should flip that model you should start with your story and put it at the forefront and then you go for the product. That's how we've actually built our platform. If you go on our platform right now, you can tell, you can see there is no products, like we don't have any products. What we're really focusing on is capturing the story about the brands. Mm-hmm. We just launched our M plus brand pages portal this week, um, which allows brands to be able to actually have ownership of that brand page and write their brand story in it, as well as add various things to it, like pictures, like videos. I think that's the first step in really creating that emotional connection with consumers. And then the next phase is to then bring the products in. I take myself as an example. I don't buy products from a brand if I don't know if I don't know their story. Yes, 
I can agree with this. Basically, with uh, Miggle, you're providing a solution for the consumers, as you were explaining, but you're also providing a solution for the brands because a lot of sustainable brands, I guess, don't have a lot of visibility. And they also, as you just mentioned, don't really know how to sell themselves. I mean, they use the traditional model, the, you know, the old model of promoting their products, but they probably don't know how to, you know, create the story behind their their company or their brand and just what words to use in sustainability. It's always very hard to just put in words, attractive words, their story, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think and this is a very good point you make, Joy. Your story should not just be a bunch of, you know, keywords that you've you've researched and you and you've seen that, you know, this is what's going through the media and people are talking about. I think consumers are smart enough to read beyond that. I think you should be your authentic self and you should truly say what your brand does because guess what eventually when we do have that feature where consumers can can share their opinion yeah. uh, about the brands you're going to get cut out so i think it's important for for brands not to lose their authenticity because they want to make a sale now as we talk about how the brands build this visibility i've been in tech i've led growth for many tech companies um, from startups all the way to publicly traded companies for about 15 to 16 years now there is a clear need of a different way to allow brands, particularly sustainable brands, to get in front of the right consumers. It is not by spending money on paid search. It is not, you know, buying impressions and eyeballs on sort of these various platforms. I think these models were great in the beginning, but as you grow tremendously and you have more brands, it just doesn't work. Most consumers don't make it past the second page or even the first page of Google search results. I'm currently reducing about, like I said, about 19,000 brands. It's very difficult for most of these brands, unless they have a very, very big budget to build that level of visibility. Secondly, even if they have a very, very big budget, I don't think they're really getting the ROI. The average conversion rate um, for the very best, you know, for paid search is about 10%. If it's impression-based, like you're paying ads on, on Instagram, it's about 2%. So between 98 to 90% of your spend is going towards something that will bring no ROI for you. And so I think by building this platform, uh, Meagle Plus, what we're essentially doing is to say, can we can we build a platform that's fully dedicated to sustainable brands and that would give them access, direct access to sustainable consumers with a business model that does not cost them an arm and a leg. And that actually gives the same opportunity, whether you're a small brand just starting at your garage or in your, or in your child's bedroom, because a lot of these brands are from mothers and parents who just realize that, hey, we want to build something. We have kids now. We don't like what's available out there. To a, to a much more established brand and creating a network effect that really allows all brands on the platform to benefit each other. The analogy I like to give there is sort of think about the modern day supermarket, right? So before Carrefour came up with the, the supermarket, which you, you, you probably know, yeah. when you had to buy meat, you went to the butcher. When you had to buy, when you wanted to buy bread, you went to the baker. But at the time, the, the French women wanted, because they started working, they didn't have the time to go to those individual stores anymore. And so they came up with the concept of a supermarket so they could do all the grocery shopping in one place. And I think that's a very similar model where we're, we're saying sustainable consumers don't have the time to go to your individual websites anymore. 
I don't think they ever did, to be honest. No. What we want to do is we want to create an experience where they can find all these brands and shop multiple products from different brands within the same platform with the one sort of plus to it, which is that through artificial intelligence, we can make sure we're recommending the right brand based on their value system rather than giving them a huge catalog of brands to, to go through because that also wouldn't work. Yeah, absolutely. And that takes me actually to the next point that I want to discuss with you because artificial intelligence AI is really at the forefront of Miggle Plus. And can you tell us, hopefully in simple terms, how it is helping Miggle Plus and how do you think it could help other you know, startups or the industry in general in sustainable fashion or in the sustainability space? Yes. I think the first thing I will say is, you know, the concept of artificial intelligence, although it's it's two words, it's actually very broad and there's so many different ways it can be applied. But at the core of it, it's really around data, right? Being able to capture a lot of data, understanding the data and then coming up with um, hopefully very sort of insightful recommendation for consumers or for your, for your audience. For us, it's really to say, it's a combination of data that we can obtain based on what consumers are shopping for. Um, we have a Chrome extension that consumers can install. Currently, what it does is as they're browsing through different websites or as they're searching for stuff on Google, if they're looking for an item that we have in our database, the Chrome extension recognizes that and gives them a, a recommendation of brands that may potentially have that product. In the future, it's going to be a recommendation of brands and products, but we just don't have the products yet. Okay. Secondly, it's also like I was saying earlier, it's about the value system. So that data is going to be data that the consumers essentially give to the platform to say, I care about the Amazon forest. I care about arts for inner city kids, whatever it is that, that they care about, we can stop capturing that information and we can start finding brands that have a value system similar to them. The third part is actually community. I think, you know, I, I was just at LA Fashion Week um, speaking on, on tech and sustainability as well as on green tech um, here in London, again, speaking on tech and sustainability. And at both events, young students came to me and they said, wow, this is incredible. We didn't know that there was a solution like this. We didn't know that other people care about this because we care about it. So I think building that community is key. And there is no easier way to do that by saying, I look at your value system, Joy, based on the products you like to buy and, and, and the causes you care about, I can actually also start introducing you to other people who care about the same causes. And then you, you can engage with them and try to understand and maybe learn about what things they like to buy or what products are better and all that stuff. So um, artificial intelligence is, is extremely important, but I think I don't see it working as well as it possibly can without the human effect. And I think mm -hmm. we want to make sure we don't lose sight of having a human driven platform as well. Especially because, you know, community is very important. And as you were mentioning, you know, just now, the collaboration also between, you know, the brands and the consumers is extremely important and essential in the in the development of, of that space. You, you talk a lot about the value system. And one thing that I really liked on your website is the credentials that you use. So, you know, I'm going to mention a couple like 1% for the Planet, which is a, an association, B Corp, 100% uh, organic, fair trade. You know, having looked into different websites, I, first of all, I found it really hard to find and define the credentials to start with. And also, I'd be very curious. I don't know if you have the data, but I'm, maybe you, you do or you don't. But do you happen to know which ones are the most used ones, the ones that, you know, the public goes for the first, for example? 
Yes. I, I think at the moment, um, anything that's sort of eco-friendly is, is very popular. Yeah. Um, the other ones are empowers women as well as fair trade and fair wages. And this is not surprising. Uh, I think consumers now realize the latest news I can sort of think about is Shein, right? The, the brand, the fast fashion brand and, um, and the, the report on the other calls that were written about how much they're, they're paying for their garments, the people working there. Um, and you cannot, you, people cannot live a decent, dignified life by earning a couple of pennies. Um, for for the garments that they make, so things like fair trade, fair wages, empower women as women. A lot of these um, companies employ women uh, resonate, and and I think that's that's absolutely fair. Uh, those are just a couple. Yeah, I mean that makes total sense. And um, but I really like that you have you know one percent for the planet B Corp because I think these two, especially these two um, association companies are definitely becoming a reference. So, you know, I've, I've been guilty of, you know, choosing a, you know, a product because I know that the company has been given the B Corp certification. So I think it's a great way to move forward. That's good guilt. Yes, <laughs> that's good guilt. Absolutely. Um, just to focus a bit more on the consumers that you have, you know, have you seen, first of all, a shift in uh, consumption in the consumers recently? And what, who would you say is your typical consumer? Um, I would let me answer the the, the, the second yeah, question yeah. first because it's the easiest one. Um, I would say a lot of our consumers, uh, a lot of our people who are sort of using the platform and who come and talk to me, are millennials, like very early millennials and and Gen Z. And again, it makes sense, right? A lot of people that are the previous generation don't actually get it. You know, I'm going to be honest. I've had people tell me that it's not going to work because people don't really care about it. Mm. Uh, and typically it's come from people who are older. But one, one thing is absolutely clear, and I have no doubt about this in my mind, there is a massive seismic shift that's happening in the consciousness of consumers. And, you know, I care a lot more about the Gen Z than the millennials because they are the future of, of the planet. They're actually now one of the, the most important group in terms of spending demographic, I should say, in terms of in terms of spending power. So their opinion matters a whole lot to me, uh, matters a whole lot more to me, I should say. Can you repeat what the first part of the question was? No, I was wondering, sorry, I was wondering if there was, if you've seen, I mean, you, I think you answered it, but if there was a clear shift in consumer consumption recently that you've seen, because I feel that post COVID, a lot of, you know, a lot of the focus has been on, uh, you know, climate change and more conscious consumption. Um, and I feel that, you know, especially probably even after this summer, we've, we've been seeing a lot more climate, you know, catastrophes around the world. So people are a lot more focused on that. So I was just thinking, do you, have you seen this on your website or maybe on your, you know, interaction with the public recently? Yes, absolutely. I, there, there is, a, there is a massive shift, um, like I was saying, and, it, and it's a shift that's not just started because of COVID. I think it was there prior to COVID. Um, I think what COVID has done is, is really accentuate yes. um, what happens when when we don't sort of take care of each other. And you make a good point about climate change. Uh, a lot of people care about it. But personally, I believe that the way we consume, consuming sustainably and climate change are very, very well 
connected because the way we consume essentially determines how much we produce mm-hmm. and how much we produce determines how much how much we take from the environment um, in terms of resources, but also, you know, how much we put out in the atmosphere in terms of pollution and, and, and all that. So the, to me, they're, they're, they're very, very directly linked. And if, and that's why I say if we can address the consumption part of it, which to me feels like it's the easiest bit because everybody, most people buy something. And if we can just educate them that you have the power to really allow us as, as, as humans to take the right direction simply by making the choice, the guilty choice, um, to use your word, of, of mm-hmm. buying products from, from, from brands that are really trying to make a difference versus the ones that are not. Now, it's not an easy thing to do because, again, like I was saying, consumers don't have access to all this data and everybody's busy about their time. The great winter is coming and people are frustrated and, and worried about how they're going to pay their energy bill. And I think that's why companies like ours can play a role in really making it more convenient for for consumers to be able to see these brands. A hundred percent. You're a one-stop shop. And the idea of rewiring the brain in terms of consumption is definitely the way to go. As you say, it's not easy, but as long as you make it convenient, I think consumers are a lot prone to do it. I'd like to circle back to Megal Plus uh, to end our conversation. You have the Riser extension now. You have a huge brand directory. What are the next steps for Megal Plus? So in terms of the next step, like I mentioned earlier today, we started with a, a brand portal. So now any brand can go in as long as they're approved to be on the platform. They can create their own brand page on Mega Plus to, to put their story, to add videos, to add photos so consumers can actually get to learn about the brand. We link their page to their website. It's about $25 per month subscription to have that page, keep that page and be able to manage it. But we're doing a promotion at the moment because we're trying to push sustainable brands for the holiday season where it's free for 90 days for any brand that signs up. The benefit there is we don't take any commission, any sales that happens on our website as a result of someone clicking through and going to to their website um, and purchasing something. So uh, we're challenging a bit sort of that, that affiliate model uh, a little bit. The second part is obviously growing our, our library of brands so to provide more options to consumers. And then the third bit now, it will be to start incorporating products from brands within our platform and create a proper marketplace so consumers don't have to go to each individual brand website to buy the product. Multiple brands can actually benefit from one sale by consumers being able to buy different products within the same shopping cart experience. Yeah, it's a lot easier to be able to, you know, go on your website and shop for all the brands, especially, you know, if it's, you know, a brand that's based somewhere else, like you never know how the shipping goes. There's a lot of different factors to to put in. So yeah, how exciting. Lots of things coming up. And also very, just very quickly, yeah. um, once we've done that, the next thing we really want to focus on is is that um, community aspect of it. So um, like I said earlier, it's, I see it as, as, as really key for us. We really want to provide a destination for consumers to be able to engage with brands as well as connect with like-minded people. I think that's really interesting. And I think a lot of consumers are really looking for that. At the base of it all, I always say that in sustainability, one of the main thing is curiosity and being able to ask questions and, and wonder and, and especially understand why we need to do 
you know, efforts and why we need to change some of the things that we're doing right now. So as long as we understand it, a lot of people can change. So yeah, definitely a community that you're building is really important. I have one last question that I usually ask all my guests. If you're a newbie in a sustainable shopping space, which can be sometimes quite intimidating as uh, there's a lot of brands that you, we don't know, uh, a lot of concepts that we don't know. Do you have a couple of tips on how to start? Yeah, sure. Um, I think the first tip I'll give to people, um, because from conversations and from what I've read, uh, people tend to think that this is a problem that gets solved overnight. Um, it isn't, right? If you're on your journey to become a sustainable or a more socially conscious consumer, the idea is not that overnight you're going to move from the brands that you were shopping into buying every single item sustainable. That's That's not how it works. Give yourself the time to find brands that really work for you. So the awareness space is one of them. So becoming aware of what you need to do and, and the areas where you need to change um, in terms of what you want to buy um, is, is, is a first start. And the second one is just act, right? So we talked about that gap between intent and action, and we don't close it if people don't act. So start small, like I said, focus on the story of the brands and figure out which ones really connect to you before you move it, you move into the products, um, engage with the brands. You know, a lot of the brands through the websites that I was, I've been reviewing say, reach out to us, let us know what you think, or even if just to, to convert. Um, now the problem is, you know, consumers are maybe not seeing their website or very few of them are, um, which is why, again, we're, we're putting them at that story at the forefront of our platform. And the last one is, talk about this to your friends, to your family members. To just give you a quick example, I was at Web Summit this week, last week, sorry, and had amazing conversations with a lot of people. There was one gentleman who was probably in his, his mid-40s and he was wearing Veja, the pair of shoes. And I asked him, oh, you know, can you tell me about this brand? And he said, oh, yeah, I know it's a good brand. I know it's really cool. And I was like, well, do you know what they stand for? He was like, no, but my daughter told me I should buy him, right? And I said, how old is your daughter? He said, she's 18. And by the way, the next sentence, he said, I feel really bad because I just bought an Audi diesel car. So, <laughs> right? But that is an example of how every single person can impact someone else's life. It could be your parents, it could be your, your siblings, it could be your friends, it could be a total stranger. And I think we need to remind people that they have this power. So make sure you use it because you can really make a difference. It's good. No government can have as much impact as we can ourselves, yes. individuals. So that would be my third recommendation. I think that's a great recommendation. I mean, all of them, but the last one also I think is great because it's also a word of mouth and it's, you know, you have a room. A reference, somebody that you trust is giving you the advice and then you follow it. And I love that story of the dad and his 18-year-old uh, daughter. Thank you so much, Luke, for being on the Forwards Minds podcast. We're going to put all the links to Miggle Plus and we hope that all our listeners will definitely look into it and maybe add the extensions. Thank you so much for being here. Great. Thanks for having me, Joy. I enjoyed this. Thanks for joining us today on the Forward Minds. Head over to theforwardlab.com to join the conversation and access the show notes. 